When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to MLS UK show Stoppage Time. Another playoff special, but as always, I'm joined by... Elliot Holman, greetings. We are now into the playoffs, past round one, and we've only got eight teams left who can win MLS Cup. We're going to be discussing what happened last weekend in round one, as well as looking ahead to this week's action in round two, and taking a look at some of the biggest stories in MLS to go with it. Uh, Elliot, let's start then. Let's not waste any more time. We're in the West, because I thought last time we concentrated on the East quite a bit at the start. Let's start at the West this time. Uh, of course, LA Galaxy um, won against Nashville 1-0. They'll be facing their city rivals, LAFC, in the next round. And this match, to be honest, Galaxy probably deserved to win in the end, although Nashville did have the chances. Yeah, this is the one that broke my bracket, so thanks for starting with that. Um, that'll teach me to just go with something different to try and be unique. Um, uh, you, you kind of, to be fair... Um, you know, Nashville are a solid organized team. And we talked about that, but LA Galaxy came into the playoffs with the form. They were for, uh, an informed team. So can't say it's a surprise. It was a narrow victory and they've set up an El Clasico. I'm absolutely here for it. El Clasico. It's the uh, MLS El Clasico. Um, but uh, yeah, you are right. It's uh, LA Galaxy traveling to LAFC. And yeah, LA Galaxy are a team in form. And I've got to say, when I was watching it, and I know Chicharito's goal was uh, cancelled, was taken off for VAR, but the way him and Ricky Puja are linking up, that's kind of what we've been after for LA Galaxy, isn't it? Just a, a couple of strikers that are in sync with each other. Yeah, um, obviously signed the likes of Douglas Costa at the start of the season. I remember watching LA Galaxy really early on in the season and just thinking, they're not creating here, uh, which which is not what we expected. Um, but yeah, since Ricky's turned up, uh, it's, it's a whole new level, isn't it? And there's a lot of teams in the league that I think are struggling with that balance of having a solid defence and then being creative in attack. Um, LA Galaxy certainly look like they're creating chances. Yeah, and ironically, it was one of the members of the solid defence, Julian Harujo, who scored the goal uh, to make it 1-0. A header with his pink hair. I mean, that hair... It's made for a headed goal to win the game, isn't it? Yeah, um, players try things in the playoffs, don't they? They do strange things, but um, whatever whatever gets them through. Um, but yeah, uh, a beautiful header from a beautiful head of hair. Yeah, I noticed uh, DeAndre Yedlin for Inter Miami tried something similar with his hair. It didn't quite work out for him, but we'll discuss that uh, later on. Uh, just a note on Nashville, of course, it was it was difficult for them, wasn't it? Gary Smith wasn't there, he was ill. 
Uh, Steve Guppy, who's the assistant in Nashville, and uh, any 90s English football fans will recognise that name from his days it's, at Leicester. It's Leicester, Robbie Savage, Darren Eady, Steve Guppy, Muzzy, is it? Ah, oh, what a time. <laughs> Um, but I mean for Nashville obviously it's disappointing they've gone out they'd have liked to have gone a lot further it's the first time actually in their short time in MLS that they've gone out at this stage but overall it's been a good season hasn't it for Nashville lots to build on been lots of good seasons for Nashville to be fair I think maybe we could argue one of the more consistent teams um, you know since since they joined the league because um, you know when you look at Minnesota Atlanta, Orlando, there's been there's been ups, but there's been a lot of downs. Um, and they, they've been rather consistent, which is good to see. Austin as well, um, only had two seasons, one very up and one very down. So um, fair play to Nashville. I think it's harder than you could ever imagine to, to actually be that consistent in MLS with all of the roster rules and regulations and contracts and um, a change of personnel. So So fair play. Yeah, and speaking of Austin, let's move on to the next game in the uh, in round one of the playoffs. And uh, well, this game had everything, didn't it? It finished Austin two, RSL two. Austin then won on penalties, three uh, one. It was quite convincing in the end with the penalties. Even the penalty RSL managed to score. Uh, the goalie should have probably saved it. Uh, RSL went two 0 up, and then um, Austin pulled one back. Then they got a man sent off RSL, and from there it was just a matter of time until Austin were going to score, right? Is it just me that was expecting a um, housery masterclass from RSL when they went not not two nil up, one nil up, but one nil up? I was like, they're going to do it again. They're going to do what they did last year. Um, and when it was two, I thought, I'm really fearing for Austin here because they're at home in front of the fans. This is not going to be pretty to watch. Um, and I genuinely thought at that point, I don't know if Austin have a way back into this. Um, but obviously getting it to penalties was crucial. And, and once it once it went to penalties, let, let's be honest, the quality there was there was only ever going to be one winner. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, let's talk about the, the big talking point in this, um, of course, was the penalty to equalise in the 94th minute, which Dreyusi put away. If you notice in the first half at 2-0, uh, RSL's penalty, uh, which uh, Cardoza scored... It was a handball, but the referee had to go to VAR. To me, that was a lot clearer than the handball against uh, Scott Caldwell that was called in the last minute of this one. Um, I mean, considering that it was a pretty hard shot that was drilled at him, he was probably less than a yard away from it, and his hand wasn't exactly away from his body. I've got to say, if I was an RSL fan, I'd be fuming. Yeah, I mean, we just want consistency across the league, don't we? Uh, across the world, in fact. We want consistency with refereeing. But with that consistency, there has to be... You have to take each individual situation into account. If it's just drilled, like you say, just drilled at him from, from a yard away, it's very different from another ball to hand maybe in the box where there's a bit of arm movement, a bit more time. So uh, we want consistency, but you have to treat each case on merit. And uh, Yeah, you, you're going to feel aggrieved. Yeah, well, uh, Austin, um, you know, obviously have, have not had great form going into the playoffs. We've uh, pointed that out on previous episodes. You're kind of looking at turning points, aren't you, in the playoffs? Little moments that just get you through and get you through to the next stage. Austin now will play Dallas, so we'll talk about that in a moment. But could that moment, that bit of luck at the end of that match, uh, be that moment that Austin have looked for to get them back in the swing of things? Absolutely. I, you know, there's no doubt when when they went 2-0 down, it would have been a, a shock to the system. It, the fans will have been 
surprised. I, I don't think even the coaching staff would ever have envisioned being 2-0 down at home after the season they've had. Now, you know, they got away with it. Every team has off days. You know, we've we've seen it with Philly, Philly getting hammered randomly. Um, you know, LA have had off days, not many. Um, but I, I think they now go into this, okay, Texas Derby. They're thinking, okay, if we beat Dallas here, it's a straight shootout with one of the LA clubs. And they they could argue they've been better than, than LA Galaxy and they could argue at, at points they've played better than LAFC. So they'll they'll go into that confident if they can beat Dallas. So Austin now will face Dallas, as you said, and uh, Dallas set up that Texas derby with a win against Minnesota. They won on penalties as well after a 1-1 draw in normal time. Uh, Reynoso got Minnesota's goal and then Dallas equalised uh, to take it into penalties. But the biggest talking point in this one is about some disrespectful penalties. A friend of the show, Dane St. Clair, has uh, put on his backside twice with uh, two Penenkas. Um, you know, of course, uh, Franco Cara uh, got the first one and then Alan Velasco got the winner uh, with the last one. I mean, where do you stand on this, Penenkas, in shootouts? I mean, they won the game, so I'm sure Dallas will be saying, well, you've just got to put the ball in the net. But is it a bit disrespectful? I don't think so. I don't think it's... To- I- takes balls that was the penalty to to win the game and to get them uh to get them through i just think if if you've got the balls to do it you're you know there's a trade-off isn't there you're gonna look like a mug if you get that wrong if the keeper stays planted and he just catches it or heads it away or knees it away whatever you look like an idiot there's much more disrespectful things in football than that well, yeah, you have a point with that. And uh, and yeah, I, I agree, actually. I think it's uh, a lot has been made of, of nothing, really, because, um, you know, the ball's got to go in the net, and that's what we did. And we have seen, like you said, we've seen players make fools of themselves. I'm looking in LA, I'm looking at Chicharito, I'm looking at Carlos Vea in the last few months. And uh, no, that credit to Dallas, they got the goals, and they, uh, they got through in the end to face Austin. Um, Minnesota, let's... We kind of didn't expect much of Minnesota in the playoffs, did we? We kind of, we both said that we expected Dallas to win. Um, I think for Minnesota, even though they did make playoffs in the end, they've got to improve next year, haven't they? They have, but I think there's also an element of Nashville. You know what we said about Nashville that they're often there or thereabouts, and and that is that is impressive. You're not always going to be incredible. You know, the reason I'm demanding so much from Orlando at the minute is because they've not been there often enough when they should have been. And I think now that, you know, they've got a, a, a roster of players together that, that should comfortably make the playoffs. So I think that's why we're sort of demanding a bit more. Um, Minnesota have, have always been there or thereabouts. Um, very well, very well run club, very well managed. And they'll, they'll be there again next year. And, and that's, that's a credit to them. Yeah, you'd like to think so. Uh, where you, whereas you look at some teams like SKC, for example, who have had a, a poor season this year after getting into the playoffs last year, you don't think that's going to be the same with Minnesota, especially with Adrian Heath, um, who knows this league inside out. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how Minnesota do. With the likes of Reynoso in the team as well, you, they're always going to score goals. So you'd expect that they will um, put up a, a more of an effort next year. But... You know, as an Atlanta fan, you've got to give credit to Minnesota because when they're not playing particularly as well as we, you know, we've seen them before, they're still making playoffs. Whereas Atlanta, of course, we didn't. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's using what you've got to your advantage. They seem to do that really, really well. Um, you you could argue that 
Atlanta have had their problems, but they certainly had a roster that, that could have made the playoffs. So um, it's about getting everything to come together all, all at the right time and Minnesota do that nine times out of ten. So let's go to, over to the East then, and the Cincy train keeps on rolling on. Uh, they upset my bracket in the first game of the playoffs by going to Red Bulls and winning 2-1. Uh, Red Bulls did actually go 1-0 up through uh, a peach of a goal from Lewis Morgan, and then uh, Cincy came back to win 2-1. And as we said last time, as we said on previous episodes, when you've got Acosta, Vasquez and Brenner, do not count out Cincy, no matter what part of the game it is. And they proved it this weekend. They got there in the end, 2-1. And they have gone into the next round of the playoffs. They're almost the LAFC of the East when when you want a goal. You know, if you go 1-0 down, they're the team that aren't worried about going 1-0 down, I, I, I think, personally. They've got goals coming from from all over. And, um, you know, they've they've got that roster right. And... That that's you're not wrong. The Cincy train is rolling. Um, it's a big team to knock out, especially away. Um, and they go really difficult game now against Philly. But I would the biggest the, the biggest credit I can pay to to Cincinnati is I wouldn't be surprised if they went and got a result there. Um, yes, it would be a bit of an upset, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked. I, I think they're capable of it. Yeah, me too. You know, you look at the uh, even recently. Um, uh, I think uh, two or three months ago, I think it was ju- maybe August, July time, they beat Philadelphia. They beat them. It was at home, but they still beat them. Uh, so they know how to beat them. And uh, they'll be going there with full of confidence because, yeah, this is FC Cincinnati. This is the side that have finished bottom of the whole league for the last three seasons. If Cincinnati go out in the next round, no one's going to look and go, well, that's a disappointment. They're going to say, well, actually, credit to Cincinnati. They've actually shown something for once. So uh, they're in a no-lose situation. All the pressure is going to be on Philadelphia, just like in this game. All the pressure was on Red Bulls. Their fans were more expectant that they'd go through. And uh, in the end, they managed to uh, they managed to go through themselves and, and get into the next stage. And they're winning hearts all over MLS. Maybe not um, in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Although, to be fair, I, d- I did see... Uh, MLS gone wild. I saw him in a, uh, a Cincinnati shirt this weekend. So they, they're winning him over. So they're winning some Columbus fans over. And I think uh, them, maybe Montreal, I think for the the rest of us who, who don't have teams in um, the playoffs, I think uh, there's a lot of people rooting for Cincinnati. Yeah, agreed. Cincinnati, Montreal. Cincinnati got a great attack. Montreal all throughout the field, really well organized, really good coach, really good philosophy. I love to see that. Yeah, well, let's talk about Montreal then. Of course, they beat Orlando 2-0. Um, I, I don't really want to dwell on Orlando because we've discussed them in the last few episodes. Well, you have, anyway. And we didn't really expect them to go through. I, I mean, Orlando had a few good chances, but overall, Montreal convincingly won in the end. 2-0, two goals in the second half. And I've got to say, I really enjoyed, when I was watching the goals, I really enjoyed seeing behind the goal, the fans. It's kind of like a European atmosphere they've got. And uh, they're going to be at home for the majority, well, especially this round, potentially next round as well. And if the results go right for them in the West, they could play have MLS Cup at their stadium. That home crowd could really get them over the line. Yeah, I agree. Atmosphere is incredible. It's really, it's really good to see. Um, yeah, they've not always had that um a team to to get behind and celebrate um with a chance of going going and even making the playoffs let alone uh winning mls cup so uh really impressive atmosphere i've i enjoyed i enjoyed the game because of the atmosphere i enjoyed you know the spectacle 
I went into it pretty much knowing Orlando were never going to win that um, because Orlando, uh, Montreal are so organised. Really, really lovely to see a proper coach trying to play proper football. Um, so well organised, trying to do things the right way. Fair play to Montreal. Yeah, Milohailovic got the penalty right at the end to make it 2-0. Uh, he's going to AZ Alkmaar after MLS Cup. We do love a story in the MLS Cup playoffs. Could his final uh, game in uh, in MLS be MLS Cup winning it for Montreal? We'll have to see. They're, you know, they're going to have to overcome New York City, which is not easy, but it's certainly doable um, if, they, if they're as organised as they were uh, in the first round. And then... Maybe they get MLS Cup played at home, you know, against somebody somebody like Dallas or, or LA Galaxy. Uh, well, this is the first time since 2016 that Montreal have made this stage of the playoffs. So that's probably why the fans are enjoying it so much. But after the season they've had, the run they're on, uh, uh, you know, you, I think most fans would be very excited with that. Uh, right, let's close off um, this round of the playoffs by looking at New York City v Inter-Miami. It was a battle of Liverpool versus Manchester in the dugouts. Uh, Cushing won against uh, Phil Neville. Um, and it was quite a convincing win in the end for NYCFC. Uh, Higuain almost got a goal on his last ever game, but it was chalked off through VAR for offside. But after that, there was only one winner, wasn't there? Yeah, um, I, look, we said it at the start into Miami. They made the playoffs for the first time. Fair play. Um, you know, that that's progress for 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 them. And and they'll look back at the season as a success. They would have taken that at the start of the season. We made the playoffs. It's progress. Um, NYCFC are, are, are a different beast to, to into Miami. To be fair, they're a lot further down the line. Um, they won MLS Cup last year. They've still got a really good roster. So that that result didn't surprise me. What I do think is going to be one of the most contested games is, is NYC versus Montreal. Yeah, it will do. Uh, we're going to talk more about the matches coming up um, in a moment. And... In the next round of the playoffs, but NYCFC, you you look at the goals just just to briefly round off that game. Um, the attacking play is brilliant at the moment. The passing, they really considering that they've had a disruptive season. They started okay, but you know they were in the Champions League. They then had a bit of a, a dip once uh, Ronnie Dyler left, but now Nick Cushing has really got them playing some good stuff at the right time. Yeah, we were worried about them, weren't we, with the, the, the Castellanos talk, uh, Ronnie Dyer leaving, um, oh, say that with a few hours sleep. Um, but uh, yeah, certainly pushed on. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Just just get over the line. Just get over the line, get into the playoffs and, and a team like them can really come alive now. Right, so now it's time to look ahead to the next round of matches in the playoffs. What's happening this week? Oh, on Thursday night, it's one hell of... A night of MLS action. We've got El Trafico, or the MLS El Clasico, as Elliot likes to call it. And we've got Philly uh, joining the party as well. Let's talk about El Trafico then. LAFC versus LA Galaxy. Uh, The LAFC boss uh, was asked uh, this week whether this was the biggest match of his career. He says no. I mean, maybe his managerial career, considering that he played in a World Cup for uh, the US men's national team, is probably uh, a silly question to ask to be honest, but it is a massive game, isn't it? And a, a game that both sets of fans will be desperate to win. Yeah, I mean, two derbies in the West. Um, we'll come on to 
come on to Texas, but uh, you know this this game is one of the biggest in in MLS. It has been ever since its inception, since the Zlatan days when LAFC were were new to it, and it was Vea versus Zlatan. Uh, this is, you know, this is going to be peak MLS. It's win or go home against your bitter rivals. LAFC have had an ex- incredible season, but this could just ruin it all. This really could overshadow their whole season. Well. This is the what we love about the playoffs, and we see it every season. And this is why the pressure is on Philadelphia and LAFC, is because the teams that do so well in the regular season, it's very rare that they actually meet each other in the MLS Cup. One of them loses. One of them has a bad game in the playoffs, and it ruins everything. So this is why the pressure is on LAFC. They've had such a fantastic season. They've been so dominant in the uh, you know in the West. They won support a shield, but. Who remembers that if they then lose at home to their biggest rivals? It, it all goes out the window. So um, with this one, I mean, it's so hard to call, isn't it? Because on paper, yeah, you'd look at LAFC, but Galaxy are playing so well at the moment. They're going into it with a, a lot of form. They've picked up 22 points away from home this season and lost only one of the last five away games. So it's not as easy as just to say LAFC will win this. No, it isn't. Um, I, I would I would back them. Um, I know LA Galaxy have hit a bit of form, but I, I would back uh, LAFC to, to do the job. Home advantage, strong roster, experienced coach as well, as you touched on. They do get my pick, but I do agree that this isn't as, as clear cut. No, best home record though. In the league, along with Philadelphia, who are playing Cincinnati also on Thursday evening, uh, well, late Thursday night here in the UK. Um, Philly v Cincy, we talked about Cincy. We can uh, cause an upset. We do believe in them. But considering that Philly had such a good home record, didn't lose, it's going to take a lot to turn that around, isn't it? Do you know what? I'll I'll go for it. I'll back, I'll back Cincy. We spoke to Jack Elliott. I've piled heaps of praise on Philly. In fact, every year on this podcast, because Jim Curtin has got not just the team, but the whole club from top to bottom so organised. But in a one-off game, there's every chance since he can, with that attack, can go and hurt them. And I'll just, I'll make it interesting. I'll back, I'll back them. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, it is good. It's a, such a fascinating matchup. I think you'll have the energy in the uh, LA LA game, but in this one, it's just fascinating to see that Philadelphia such a good um, you know defensive record, such good defenders against that attacking uh, Cincinnati team. Since he have lost one in the last fifteen or last fourteen matches, sorry, their last away defeat was against Columbus in July. So they've got such a good record going into this. I'm going to back Philly a because it's different to you. And I've not, I'm not as ballsy as you to put my <laughs> to put it out on Cincy, uh, but also as much as I'd love Cincy to uh, to go through, I think it is about time that in MLS Cup, uh, you know, we had the big hitters, and that's no disrespect to Cincy, they've done very well, but I mean the teams that are finishing first and second in the conferences getting to MLS Cup. I already said I think Austin might win it, but um, you know if it's an LAFC versus Philly MLS Cup, I think that's going to be an amazing atmosphere, an amazing day, but. Uh, yeah, good luck to Cincy. We'd love to see the uh, you know this this magical run continue. Uh, however, I do just have a feeling that Philly will be all right. They'll do it. Um, right, Sunday evening, Sunday night here in the UK is the next two matches. It kicks off with Montreal. Why are they all 
on days where we have to get up, then put it on a Friday and a Saturday. What are you doing? Hey, if I was in charge of the MLS schedule, then that's what I'd do. But unfortunately for us two, none of us have any say in it at all. Um, but uh, yeah, stick on uh, stick on some coffee. Maybe book the day off work on Monday or ring in sick uh, because there are two, uh, two more fascinating matches happening in the playoffs. It's, it's Montreal versus NYCFC. These two teams, including the Campionis Cup for NYCFC, have won the last five. Something's got to give. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, try and try and pick a winner. It's you know, this is this is a proper proper battle. This is. Um, I, I keep going first. Come on, who are you backing? Well, I'm just looking at my, my stats here, and and I, like I said, both teams have won the last five games. Montreal have the fifth best home record in the regular season in the East. New York City FC have the fifth best away record so far this season in uh, the East. The last match was in Montreal and it was nil-nil in July. So there's no signs there, apart from Montreal finishing above NYCFC in the in the standings, there's no signs that tell me it's going to go one or the other way. Um, I love what Montreal are doing. Similar to Cincy, it's kind of a, a bit of an underdog story with how they did last year and in previous years. I don't know. I just think NYCFC, they did it last year. They know what they're doing in the playoffs. I've got a funny feeling. It might go to penalties, but I've got a funny feeling NYCFC might do it. Okay. And NYC have kind of got that chaotic energy, whereas Montreal are, are quite organised. Um, I'll I'll go Montreal just because I think I think they can maybe make that count, make that work against them. They maybe they maybe they take it to um, you know a bit of extra time. I, I, I think they've got, I think they've got more of an organised approach. So I'm going to go for Montreal. I don't know about you, but I feel that this season, over other seasons, when we've got to this stage of the playoffs, there's a lot of equal matches yeah. happening. You know, in the past, we've maybe looked and thought, oh well, they're definitely going to win, or that team's definitely going to win, and they win by three or four. You know, especially when it was two legs. I remember there was like five nils happening. Um, this is really equal. And going into the next game, Austin v. Dallas, this is another one where you can't really call it. No, you can't. I, I think Austin have caught the eye this season. And so I think you're sort of drawn to them. They've kind of got it going on at the minute that, you know, they've got the stadium and they're scoring the goals and it's a, you know, it's a new team. They have massively turned a corner from last year. You're sort of drawn to them because you sort of think, "Oh, what a, what a lovely story." But Dallas, you know, Dallas are back and they're back in a big way. So um, this isn't this isn't clear cut. Oh, that the, again, yeah, it it really is tough. I'm I'm gonna go home advantage. Yeah, well, I've got to go home advantage because I've backed them to win the whole thing. I can't go back on that now. <laughs> I think they're going to win the whole thing, but they might lose to Dallas here. <laughs> but if you look at the the stats, if you look at how Austin, if you count the RSL game as a draw, they've only won one in the last eight. So, I mean, they're always going to make playoffs, but they have stumbled into the playoffs. Dallas have been uh, in much better form. But, you know, I, I just think after the other day, the looks perhaps with Austin at the moment... Um, I think it'll go to penalties again. I think there's not much between the sides. And if you look in the regular season, they were both draws in you know their games as well. But uh, yeah, Austin for me. Okay, yeah, both going Austin then. Yes, we are. Uh, right, we'll see what happens this weekend in MLS. Who makes it to the conference finals? And then we'll discuss that next week on another very special stoppage time playoff edition of the MLS UK show. 
But if you're a regular listener, regular viewer of Stoppage Time, you'll know that what we normally do is discuss the biggest news stories in MLS. And there's a few stories that I want to discuss before we leave today. Uh, the first one is that the wages have been announced, player wages. This is one of the most exciting times of a season because we get to see what some of our favourite players are earning. And there's a few names that have surprised me, actually. First of all, I mean, Insignia being uh, the most paid player in MLS doesn't surprise me. But what surprises me is he earns almost double that the next guy, Shakiri earns. Like, this guy's out on his own. Yeah, and this is this is a new MLS era, isn't it? You know, the 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 six million for Vea years are over. Um, you know, th- this is this is the next the next era. Clubs are going big. They're having to because they're trying to outdo each other. Not a surprise to see it's him, but uh, it's just a lot of money. It is fourteen million dollars. Shakiri's on eight, so just over eight million dollars. And you got Chicharito in third on uh, nearly seven and a half million dollars. Uh, Bernadeschi uh, for Toronto as well. They're spending big six million, and then Douglas Costa earning the money that he has uh, <laughs> deserved yeah. is uh, maybe not at LA Galaxy this year uh, with five point eight million. <sighs> uh, down in twenty third, we've got Gareth Bale with two point three million. I mean, would you be swapping Douglas for Bale's money? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, Bale was a risk. Um, let's remember that. Um, you know. Injury, injury prone, needed needed to get fit. He's kind of using the club a bit to get fit for the World Cup. So I I understand why it was what it was, but that's a long, long way off the top earners. It is. Uh, Kalini only earning $1 million. I say only. Only earning $1 million a year. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> so LAFC really uh, utilising, um, you know, the... Uh, their money there with those two players, whereas Toronto have spent twenty million. I mean, d- don't get me wrong; I think Toronto will do very well next season with those players. But it's funny how, uh, yeah, if you'd have said to the average soccer fan, "Well, Bale and Kalini and Insignia and Bernadeschi," uh, I don't think many would put their wages in the uh, in where they actually are. You know, they, maybe Bernadeschi wouldn't be more where Bale is, and Bale would be where Insignia is. But hey, this is MLS, and this is what we love. Uh, one more note on the wages. The uh, the St. Louis um, wages have come out. Roman Berkey, the goalkeeper that they've got, is uh, getting a guaranteed $1.6 million, uh for his wage. Of course, St. Louis coming into the uh, league next year. That um, makes him by far the highest paid goalkeeper, even you know far more than Andre Blake. Um, is, is this a sign of where St. Louis are going? Are they trying to keep it tight at the back? For their uh, their debut in MLS, yeah. Well, joining MLS now, as we just touched on with with the salary, joining MLS now, it's like jumping onto a moving train. You can't you can't just rock up, um, you know, with things stuck together with a bit of sellotape. You know, you've got to be you've got to be ready to to hit the ground running. You're going to have to spend. That's the way it is now. You're going to have to build a good roster, balance with experience, balance with. Um, you know, a lot of financial depth as well as experience, and they're going in the right way. That that's what you want to see. There's no point just just joining and trying to cling on for dear life. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think these players that are coming over, who um, you know, MLS needs them as much as you could argue that they need MLS, but they, yeah, they're wanting to be paid for that. And I guess for MLS, if they want to move forward, then you are going to have to pay. Uh, players like that, uh, big wages to uh, to get them to the league. 
Uh, right, finally, we need to talk awards. It's awards season um, in MLS. Now, we have seen that Jesus Ferreira has won the Young Player of the Year, becoming the first Dallas player to win it since, well, last year when uh, <laughs> Ricardo Pepe uh, got the award. Um, he was ahead of Thiago Almada for Atlanta and Brenner for um, Cincinnati. Um, let's have a look at, let's go through our picks then for some of the others. We're going to leave out, I know they've already chose referee of the year, but uh, we were discussing off air, but that is, uh, for some of the refereeing that we've seen this year, that is ridiculous to have that award. Yeah. Uh, I think the less said about that, the better. To be um, so let's move to, let's start with coach of the year. The Shiggy Smith, it's a Siggy Smith, uh, coach of the year. The finalist, uh, uh, Trundolo for LAFC, Jim Curtin for Philadelphia, and Wilfred Nancy for uh, Montreal. Who gets your pick? I don't think Nancy will win it, but I I think he maybe deserves a a shout for what it, what he's done, um, because you know he's really imprinted his style onto onto Montreal. Um, I th- it's difficult, isn't it? LAFC's roster is so good, and. If they weren't top, you'd be asking questions of him. You know, I I, I think Jim Curtin's always a deserved winner as well, but I'll I'll probably go with him. Well, yeah, I agree with you. I'd I'd go with Nancy, uh, based on how far Montreal have come this season. If he doesn't win it, it's yeah, it's one or the other. I'm gonna go Jim Curtin just because I yeah, you know, you look at LAFC's players, they should be where they are anyway. Uh, and Jim Curtin consistently does a really good job with a squad that is an excellent squad, but there's no big names in it. So it's he gets the best out of those players. So, uh, yeah, but it's that's a tough one to call. Uh, let's move on to, well, newcomer of the year. Um, you know, we've got Thiago Armada for Atlanta. They had to, Atlanta had to have someone in the nominees after a poor season. Uh, Cucho Hernandez, uh, Jordi Petrovic for New England Revolution. Um Maybe Pooj from um, LA Galaxy would be in there if he'd been there a bit longer. But who gets your vote for this one? Uh, you go first this time. Come on. I'm probably... I'm tempted for Hernandez. I really like how he started his Columbus career. I'm probably going to go for uh, Petrovic, though, for New England Revolution. I, I Okay, it's interesting. I was going to go Hernandez. I think in terms of striking a bit of fear into the opposition, you know, like I was thinking on decision day, I was like, coming up against Cucho, like you'd, you, you, don't, you just don't want it. Do you know what I mean? So I think I think that probably uh, earns, him, earns him the title alone. Yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to seeing him next year. It's a new start for Columbus, isn't it, with a, a different head coach. I'm looking forward to see what they do. And... You know, this is it. In MLS, you need that striker. You need someone who's going to score you all them goals. And uh, he's definitely someone who can do that for Columbus. Uh, let's move on to Defender of the Year then. You've got Alex Collins for NYCFC. And then unsurprisingly, uh, you've got two Philadelphia players, uh, Jacob Glesnes and Kai Wagner. Uh, who gets your vote for this one? Glesnes, uh, just for uh, consistently scoring goal of the season as well. Um uh, and uh, I saw an interesting quote from Gazdag as well, outraged that he wasn't nominated, which I thought was bold. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, you, there's a lot of players in there. For a league that is very attacking, there is actually a lot of defensive players that could be disappointed that they've not made the nominees. Um, goalkeeper of the year, you've got Andre Blake for Philly, uh, Drake Callender for Inter Miami, and Jordi Petrovic for New England Revolution. Um I know who I'm going with straight away. Are you going to agree with what I'm saying? It's an old favourite for me. Andre Blake. 
Uh, right, and finally, MVP. So there's five finalists for this. Uh, you've got uh, Christian Arango for LAFC, Andre Blake for Philadelphia, uh, Sebastian Drussi for Austin, Javier Chicharito Hernandez for LA Galaxy, and Hani Mukhtar for Nashville. Who gets your vote for this one? Uh, you could argue that if Chicharito had stopped messing around with penalties, they could have a much stronger chance in the playoffs. Um but uh, you know, maybe some maybe some home advantage. Um, but I, I you you have you can't look past Drusy for me. Really? Okay. Um, I was gonna I was gonna go for Mukhtar, but I just think with Drusy of what he did the other day, he grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck. He got them over the line. And do I see Mukhtar doing that as much? Possibly not. I mean, Andre Blake has had one hell of a season, but let's face it, M- MLS MVP is probably never going to be a goalkeeper. No, so he's, no. uh, an award, he should get a, an award in itself for being nominated. Um, and then you've got Arango, who's, yeah, has been great for LAFC, but I don't think he stands out as much compared to the likes of Mukhtar and Dryusi. So uh, just to be different to you, I'm going to go Mukhtar, but uh, Dryusi really does impress me. And I think... If he carries on next year, I think he will probably win it next year if he doesn't this year. Imagine getting those two in the same team, getting Drusi and Mukhtar together. Yeah, well, uh, maybe All-Star next year. Yeah. Maybe. Um, although, you know, if it's against a Mexican team, it will definitely still be Chicharito and Carlos Vela <laughs> up front. Um, right, well, that's it from us uh, this week. Don't forget the MLS UK show is sponsored by Soccer90.com. Head to Soccer90.com. Choose your jerseys for the playoffs. They'll have next year's kits on there as well uh, when they get announced. And, of course, World Cup jerseys ready for the big tournament that is, uh, what, it's about, is it less than a month away now, Elliot? Coming up to it. Yeah, a month away now from the World Cup. Huge. How exciting. Um, so uh, you get 20% off typing MLS UK in the discount code at the checkout to get that. And potentially for the, uh, well, one of the last times, Elliot, if you were on your podcast provider, if you listened to us, if you enjoyed this episode, want to leave a rating, want to leave a review, there's one rule and one rule only. Yeah, it's LA Galaxy style, five stars only. Um, I've had a word with them and they've agreed if LA Galaxy do win MLS Cup, um, they will allow a sixth star on the podcast rating. Yeah, I was there for that chat with, uh, you know, with the heads of Apple and they, uh, yeah, they definitely agreed to that going into next year, of course. But they could do that with Apple TV. They could make a special rating system just to promote MLS. But again, we don't work in scheduling for MLS. We don't work in podcasting for Apple. But that's a suggestion that I would make. Um, right, while we try and put ourselves into other jobs that would be paid far more than what we get paid, especially for doing this uh, podcast, which is, well, close to zero, uh, let's uh, let's leave. Let's uh, hopefully enjoy another weekend of playoff action in MLS. But in the meantime, I've been Henry Hewitt. And I've been Elliot Holman. See ya. Podcast Network.